that's why it's this constant consistency. That's why Kirby and I always preach two things. One, always be consistent, all the time consistent. Number two, always wear a hat on the podcast. baptized by the fire in your touch and the flame in your eyes i'm born to love again kirby i'm a brand new man as we start episode number 154 of the promo up front podcast with a little brooks and dunn for you this morning, yeah i am bill petrie one of your hosts with me as always the original good time player man the national security advisor of the nft the one and only kirby hossam and kirby how the hat wearing shockton man are you uh, i'm doing all right buddy uh yeah I'm, I'm a little out of sorts this morning uh got some guests in the house this week which is wonderful my da- daughter and her husband are with us um and so that's good but we woke up this morning with no water and so no showers to be had in the uh in the house today so i'm I'm sporting a hat. Uh, but other than that, I'm doing really well because, you know, it's like it's become like a little trivia game for me each week trying to figure out what song you're singing. And so, yeah, again, yeah. Darius Rucker last week, Lil Brooks and Dunn this week. I'm liking it. Man. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I think I'm going to retire that little section very soon because <laughs> I cannot tell you I'm spending an inordinate amount of time on song lyrics and can I sing them? And yeah. generally the answer is no, and it doesn't stop me anyway. Yeah. Uh, things are going well. It's just been uh, like you like everybody else it's summer um somebody posted a question in the promotional products professionals page yesterday is it me or is everybody else slow too and i'm I like see um that. i'm the opposite of slow so yeah. uh can't complain can't complain about that so things yeah. are going well but uh and it got me to thinking you know as we're busy we go through life sometimes um we want to stop and do something a little different we're gonna do something a little bit different today um and i hope everybody sticks around and really listens to this one hey let's let's just talk about our sponsor in evans real quick uh you know obviously kirby in an ever increasing world working with companies that make it easy for you to do business with them has absolutely more value than ever and when it comes to making the lives of distributors easier you know I'm talking about our friends over at Evans Manufacturing now. Now they're part of the HPG family of companies. Evan remains solely focused on making every single transaction as frictionless as possible. That alone is enough to partner with Evans. But when you factor in their beautifully crafted and decorated merchandise, it's really a no-brainer to work with Evans. In fact, over a one-week period this past February, Evans received over 100 A-plus ratings in Sage. Wow. In one week. That wow. doesn't happen by accident, does it, Kirby? It really doesn't. Actually, when you said that, I was like, oh, that happened over you know a month or two months or whatever. And when you say it's over a week, that's uh, because at the end of the day, you know, we say that, you know, a lot of times people leave reviews when they're either really happy or unhappy. And when you get that right. many five star ratings in a week, that that's a lot of happy people. It really is, Kirby. I couldn't have said it better myself. But here's the one thing I really hope people hear today, because uh, there's one more thing I really do want to mention that the president co-founder of Evans Alan Vaught is retiring at the end of June they made that announcement a few weeks ago and along with the leadership team at Evans Alan intentionally crafted a culture of caring that flows through the entire organization from manufacturing 
account representation to customer care to ongoing communication to delivery. Evans truly makes it easy for distributors to work with them. So what we want to say is on behalf of Evans and a really grateful industry, Kirby and I want to thank Alan for all he has done to change the landscape of the promotional products industry. Additionally, the fantastic people at Evans uh, will continue to show their gratitude for all Alan has done by keep by being the company they've always been. Yeah. A one that's 100% focused on taking the stress off their distributor partners by simply making things easy. So as we wish Alan the best in his retirement. Uh, he's he's an industry legend. He's become a friend to both Kirby and I. Uh, I'm going to miss him. I know you will too, Kirby. Uh, let's go ahead and yeah. remind everyone that when you're ready to make your distributor life a little bit easier, look no further than our friends at Evans in honor of Alan Vaught. And you can visit them at evans-mfg.com. Don't know if you have anything you want to add to that, Kirby. Yeah, it's just you exactly right. I think that what's fascinating is that some of those people who are the the people you see on the Power Fifty and those big lists, and you think sometimes that they are almost like, gosh, they're, they're larger than life, and they've been in the industry for a long time. Sometimes those are the the most kind and intentional people, and that certainly is yeah. was my experience when I you know got to know Alan a little bit. Absolutely, this could actually be the upfront section of the podcast because. Yeah. Alan uh, is, if you've, if you've never had the honor of meeting and talking with Alan, he's one of those leaders that immediately, immediately makes you feel like you're the most important person in the room. Mm -hmm. He's very caring. He looks at you directly in the eye and he listens. He, yeah. he's, he's listening with the intent to hear what you're saying, not with the intent to respond. Yeah. And that's not a quality you find in a lot of leaders. So uh, yeah. Alan, you'll be missed. We will miss you. And we wish you much happiness in your retirement. All right. Kirby, let's get on with some silliness here on the podcast. Um, I do have the upfront section. I've already done it. But because I care about your hair care so much and the <laughs> lack of water in your house, I'm going to go ahead and do another upfront. Kirby, let's talk about the death of the promo non-fungible token. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so this. NFTs uh, came on really hard about 18 months ago. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what a non-fungible token is, it's basically a unit of data that can be sold or traded. You own it. So think of a picture you see on the internet of perhaps Michael Jordan dunking a basketball. Theoretically, you can own the digital copy of that image. However, the medium has quickly turned from hype into novelty. And a lot of people were very big supporters of NFTs. Mm -hmm. um, Meg Erber comes to mind. Uh, Lisa Fosdick comes to mind. Sure. But P PPAI research shows that client demand for NFTs never materialized during what was otherwise in 2022 a banner year for the industry. So it just really hasn't materialized. And now the U uh, United Kingdom version of the Federal Trade Commission has issued a ban on free NFTs as a promotional tool for digital asset investing, which is a really big blow to the theoretical use of NFTs in our industry and really the efficacy of it in our at, at, at all uh, mm -hmm. as a promotional product. I wanted to ask if you were surprised by this um, or your thoughts on that. I have some thoughts, but if you mm -hmm. want to go, I would yeah. invite your hatness to go. Uh, yeah, so... I when I first saw the headline, that this is one of those articles I actually did uh, dig into and read a little bit. I, you know, I think the idea of making them illegal seems like a ridiculous stroke to me. I like, and like that is, um, that feels like an overreach to me, just again, from a, just from a 10,000 foot level. What I think two things come to mind. Number one, the QR code was dead, right? 
Right. And now it's not dead at all. This is exactly like, that was my first thing is, okay, let's, let's pump the brakes on, on burying it just yet. I think sometimes the technology needs to catch up and the understanding needs to catch up. That was certainly case with the, the uh, QR code where a technology came, you know, caught up. So it became much more easy. You didn't have to download separate apps. And then the other thing is, of course, the world changed in a really brief way for the pandemic where it's like, okay, yeah. But now I see QR codes everywhere. We use QR codes everywhere. Um, so I I foresee this is not the death at all. This is a uh, kind of a valley in, in the NFT. And then the other piece I would say is if we want it to come back, we absolutely need to get better at explaining it. Um, that was one of the challenges, I think, is that people are like, okay, I want to be on board. I want to I wanna be cutting edge. But it, the ambassadors of the NFT... Yeah. Um, struggled to explain what it meant and people really struggled to get it. So I think, I don't think it's the death of it. I just don't. I think that this is just like an evolution of technology. Um, and I do think that there are some pieces of it that make a ton of sense for what we do. Um, the Again, the outlawing it is almost like that's over here, but the um, I think that this will be in, in, in a couple of years, we'll be talking about it differently. That, that's sort of my take. Um, I, I don't know if you saw my notes, but that's kind of my thought. Too. <laughs> just, to, just to clear something up real quick. So the UK ban is using NFTs as a promotional tool for digital asset investing, which is cryptocurrency. They, they feel that because it's an investment, there's a, there's some ickiness mm. there. So that's okay. it's a very targeted and specific ban. They're not banning all NFTs. So I apologize if I didn't really clarify mm. that. Well, I don't um, think that the, the headline did either for what it's worth. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree with you. I think you know NFTs are a really difficult concept to grasp. I struggle with it. And I, I would consider myself and you early adopters of new technology. Mm -hmm. And so I've really tried to understand NFTs and extrapolate their use in promotional products. And there are some uses. Big Slick has used NFTs in uh, some of their merchandise and it's been Mm -hmm. very successful. But it's very difficult for me to understand how I can own a digital image if I'm seeing it everywhere else. I I struggle with that. So I I think that what you'd said, there's a big disconnect in people really understanding what it is. It's such a wildly strange concept for a lot of people. Well, and again, Um, by the way, I think maybe it wasn't quite as uh, novel when the QR code came out, but man, there was a learning curve with that. And I think part of that was the technology piece, right? Like you're like, okay, what is it? Now I got to get a new app so it can take me to a website that I can already get. Well, now that seems like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. So I view the NFT concept as being, you know, 18 to 24 months down the road or, or whatever that all of a sudden that will, that will make more sense. Possibly, perhaps, maybe. I don't know, Kirby. I, you know, the metaverse, which people do understand, mm-hmm. is still struggling to gain, gain traction. Yeah. I mean, I, I think people have an easier time understanding the metaverse than they do NFTs, right? Um, and that's struggling to gain traction. I'm not saying it's the death of the NFT. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's the death of how it is right now. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it does need learning and things like that. I I think they're cool. But mm-hmm. what what I our audience is telling us, they're not ready for it. Right. Yeah. So no, we don't, you know, we're, we're pushing it isn't probably, you know, if, if there's a great application for it, awesome. Yep. But it's kind of like having salads at McDonald's or chili at Wendy's. Your audience isn't ready for that. They want what they want, what they want. Yeah. So there's cool. my weird analogy on it. So I'm not sure it's the death of the NFT, 
but right now I'd say it's on life support. Yeah. All right. I'll tell you what's not on life support, Kirby, is if you need some marketing help and you're a distributor, I can tell you exactly where to go. You go to your pals over at Promo Pulse. That's right. They can help you consistently amplify your sales through stunningly beautiful outbound marketing that's so easy to use. You can customize it, set it, forget it, all within five minutes. That's right. So learn more over at promopulse.io slash amp. Kirby, what kind of a topic do you have for us today? Okay, so this is... um... I saw this article this morning. Um, it said that uh, 71% of chief marketing officers believe that they lack sufficient budget to fully execute their strategy this year. This is according okay. to a recent Gartner survey. Um, so then there's it's this is in advance of the Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity, which apparently kicks okay. off this week. So 71% of CMOs are saying they lack budget. So mm-hmm. um, ahead of the festival, LinkedIn is is talking about how brands can continue to drive change in the face mm-hmm. of an uncertain economy. So, mm-hmm. and there was a whole article around this, but I, you know, this is one of those topics that I kind of always smile about because yeah. um, I'm thinking those of us who uh, sort of focus on small to mid-size organizations, um, yeah. you know, we, we always lack sufficient budget to do the things that we want to do so to hear uh you know larger cmos cry about their budget sort of makes me chuckle so i guess the the, the question for you and i i've again this is one of those where i've given it some thought is you know what are what are some tips that that we can give people if they are struggling Mm -hmm. with budget um how they can create impactful creative marketing for their organization even though they don't have enough money so if you want, yeah. go first, but I know you, you no, I'll, live in I'll this go. wheelhouse. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So first thing first, I'm surprised the number is so low. I've never met a marketing director, <laughs> manager, or CMO that thinks they have enough budget. That yeah, I've, I've got a little too much. <laughs> I've yeah. got a little too Boy, much this year. Why do we shift some to uh, operations? Because man, <laughs> I got enough here. You're never going to hear that. Um, That's a great point. I think... I think when you're budget conscious, let me phrase that. I think when you have to be so budget conscious, you have to make hard decisions in your marketing. I think that's the time to slow down and look at data. That's the Mm -hmm. time to really analyze your data. What's working and trending and what's not working. Um, But I wouldn't cut budget. You know, that's one of those things, uh, you know, the economy is uncertain. Everybody's predicting we're in a recession, yet we're in a bull market. It's very confusing right now what's going yeah. on. It, you know, yep. inflation's high. You know, everything's everything's a little topsy-turvy. And one thing that the markets don't like is uncertainty. uncertainty so there is yeah. uncertainty, but I think there's always uncertainty. But I think in a time like this where so many companies are pulling back budget. So, you know, here's your budget for the year. And halfway through the year, we're pulling some back because we're concerned. That's the time to double down on what's working. That's why yeah. I would always start with the data. Where are we? Where are we reaching people in the most effective way? That's leading to conversions. Yeah. So you start with the data and find out where where are we getting conversions. And the next thing is you look at your. Uh, it depends on what you sell. If it's a service or a product, you know, depending on what you sell, who is most likely to make a purchase today. Right. And it's not a used car salesman approach where it's, what can I do to get you into this car today? It's really a, okay, you know, maybe we have 150 products, but we know that this segment of people buys these five products and they do it consistently. 
that in that segment, you need to be the loudest. You need to be the most direct. You need to be the most active. That's at least where I would start. What about you, Kirby? Yeah, those are really good. And I think you'll see some overlap here. I've got four kind of ideas, right? Um, so one of the things when we're creating campaign, I try to create the campaign as if the, the, there's unlimited budget, right? Like when yeah. we create something, it's like, okay, this is, I'm going to take all the tools in the toolbox and I'm going to throw them all right. out there and create the campaign as if there's no limit on budget and right. then pare it back down. Like right. start with everything and pare it back down because it makes you sort of focus on that. Uh, mm -hmm. number one of my other ones is, you know, stop whining. Uh, well, like yeah. it, it, nobody cares, like nobody cares. Stop whining that you don't have enough budget. Everybody is sort of in that boat. That's number two. Mm -hmm. Number three, use AI. Like I, I, I like, I like, this is the kind of thing where this is the moment where you go, okay, because we are in this, I think that you would get some latitude from higher ups to, uh, Hey, we're going to try some stuff because we're, we are limited on budget. Yeah. You've pulled it back. So we're going to try some AI to, uh, help mm. this. And then finally, and you kind of mentioned this is yeah. pare down the audience. This is the moment mm -hmm. that you say, okay, we, who, who are the, yeah, who is the the target? Who is the, the people? Reach yeah. a niche and double down on the people who who you have the most successful with. Um, so those were the sort of four that I I'd written down. No, I think those are great. And again, there's overlap. And, and yeah. I think what it is is you 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 know if you have to do more with less, that's fine. I would try to do more with the same, mm -hmm. right? And again, I think you hit on something that that we don't do often enough as a as a species. There are times to go bolder, go mm -hmm. wilder, go different. And and that's when, you know, when when things are a little, when you see everybody else pulling back, everybody else being more conservative, that's the time to double down and say, I'm gonna try that. Yeah. Not yeah. be not be careless with budget, but now is the time to try something different. Now yeah. is the time to really do that. So no, I love that. That's a great Well, and I'll tell you, to me. your point real quick, and then and we can move on. But yeah. like, well, No, no, no. I went to a conference in Raleigh last year um, where it was Ed Milet and Dean Graziosi, and there was a bunch of those folks. And everybody talked like, we're like, hey, guys, look, it is uncertain. You know, maybe winter's coming, whatever. But yeah. like to a person, they were just like, hey, this is the time to double your marketing budget. This right. is the time to gain market share. So that's right. almost like a sort of a separate discussion. But the reality of, and, and I'll t I took that to heart. Like we have yeah. increased what we're doing. We're doing more direct mail. We're doing more, right. uh, more you've, it, you, I'm sure have seen, we're doing a ton right. more social media. And it's like, you know, that's been paying off. So hopefully, hopefully it continues to. Well, and, and last point I'll make before we move on is remember, even though we might be talking about a short period of time where you're trying these new things, it's still a long game. You may not see results from what you're doing, yes. depending on your clients, depending on what you're selling and the sales cycle. You may not see results for six months, a year, 18 yeah. months. Yeah. So that's why it's this constant consistency. That's why Kirby and I always preach two things. One, always be consistent all the time consistent. Number two, always wear a hat on the podcast. All right, Kirby, <laughs> let's go for another topic here. Love it. Um, I've got, all right, two, I've got two. I've got this one in my right hand and this one in my left hand. Which one, Kirby? I always go right. Okay. Wrong. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> all right. So I'm, I, we, we, we've noticed something, I think all of us in the industry, we've touched on it before, but I don't know if we've talked about it in depth and that's what I'd like to today. There is a retail brands arms race in our industry. Mm. Um, and it's it's been building for a while. 
but now it seems like it's at a fever pitch. Okay. Um, St. Regis Group, uh, they have recently announced a partnership with Toomey, the luggage company. Mm. Um, it's select bags, backpacks, luggage from the retail brand. Um, so I, I, I was thinking about this going, okay, you know, there are companies that really specialize in retail brands and, and the companies that come to mind, Hirsch, obviously, yeah. uh, they're the, they're the, in my mind, you know, one of the clear leaders in focusing on uh, retail brands uh, with the promo experience to create that maximum impact. And that's what all these companies are trying to do. How much of your, I want to know from your perspective as a distributor, Kirby, do your clients, how much, how often do your clients request, mm. I want this specific brand and, and let's, let's move away from apparel. I think the yeah. apparel, that's a very natural thing people ask for. I want mm. a Nike shirt. I want an Under Armour golf shirt, blah, blah, blah. How about hard goods stuff? Mm. How often does that happen for you? Whether it's luggage, whether it's speakers, whether it's headphones. I, I'm just curious yeah, from no, your a, perspective because you I take, see this arms race happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, if you take... It's it, that's it's a super interesting question. I haven't been asked before, especially when you give it the caveat that you're say, you're taking out apparel. Yeah, because yeah. I do get the requests on apparel, right? Mm -hmm. Honestly, oh, and I don't know if our client base is different, but I I can't imagine it's ten percent. Like okay. that, where where people specifically request, I want JBL speakers, or they want right, and and part of it, give me luggage or yeah, whatever, or whatever. Now, if I can present them with a brand. Mm -hmm. as an option that they can decorate with their own almost to a person they like that idea better okay. right and so but but rarely are they come now again the other piece that i'll give the caveat is i have trained most of my clients to not ask for a yeti tumbler <laughs> because right. i mean i've li literally done videos about it i've done blogs right. about it um so very right. rarely that would be the one that like that i could see where other distributors might be like oh i get that request all the time i do yeah. not um, yeah. because I just think it's a poor investment of their marketing sure. dollars. Um, sure. but gosh, it's not very often that somebody mm -hmm. says there's this specific brand. I want, I'm trying to think of when it would happen, but it's rare. Right. Okay. So that, that's kind of what I thought the answer would be. And that's not to impugn how you mm -hmm. go to market with your clients. Yeah. I think what we, I think what suppliers a lot of times, especially ones who are really starting to add as many as they can, first of all, not every retail brand is created equal. Yeah, and I think for sure. suppliers need to remember that. Um, yet, you know, and that's not to, uh, Toomey's a great brand. It's a fantastic brand. Yeah. But there's also a lot of suppliers that are bringing on brands. It's like, I, I, what? Why? What's yeah. the point? Yeah. Um, I think what I'd like to see, I think suppliers assume that, oh man, we're going to add this brand and distributors are going to go bananas yeah. and sell the heck out of it. And it doesn't work that way. Right. Well, that's... Um, suppliers need to start educating. And I think suppliers a lot of times really try to do this, but they don't focus on this enough. So I'm not calling anybody out here. But I think the more you time you spend as a supplier teaching your sales force, and I'm talking about promotional products distributors, teaching your sales force why they should sell X over Y. Mm -hmm. Why should they sell... A branded, a, a basically a co-branded piece of merchandise or a yeah. retail brand with a company brand on it over a private label or or a no-name brand or a house brand. 
there is value to that. Yeah. But a lot of times your sales force distributors, I don't think they don't understand how to position that. And I'm not saying you don't, Kirby. Ah, I'm but, not sure I always but, do. <laughs> but I think, I, you know, again, you said it yourself, you, you almost made my point perfectly. When I do bring those options up, they're almost universally liked better. Yeah. Does it mean they buy it all the time? No. Sometimes it's budget restrictions sure, or something. Of There's a reason. But I, I think with all the retail brands we have access to, yeah. it's incumbent upon suppliers to help teach distributors how to position them. And it's incumbent upon distributors to present those options. Because for years, how often did we complain back when I was on the distributor side? We complained, man, it's so hard because they want that brand and I can't get it. Yeah. That's not a problem anymore for the most right. part. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's, I would say that there are supplies like, and again, not to give shout outs too much because then we leave people out, but you mentioned Hirsch. I'll tell you who's doing a pretty good job of it right now is PCNA. Um, a, yeah, they're absolutely. taking, they they're taking on, they're taking on a lot of brands, but the, to your point, they're taking them on. Yeah. And then like on every product they're saying, here's why, here's why, whether, and, and they're really leaning into sustainability. Um, and so that I'll tell you as a, as a distributor, that really does help me tell that story better. Um, but I think you're right in the sense that when I'm going to, um, going to market, having that education yeah. helps me tell the story better. Absolutely. And, and and you're right. PCNA is doing that. And, you know, but they still got some way to catch up to what Hirsch has been doing for sure. years. Yeah. Really. And I'm not trying to get too much shout outs to Hirsch here. I'm just saying, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a group that really understands it. Now everybody feels like trying to catch up to them. So sure. it's interesting to watch. And from a distributor perspective. Well, right, and the other, the other thing real quick yeah. just is, is that, yeah. and I think you alluded to this and I just want to say it. What's also interesting is to watch suppliers add some suppliers are adding mm. brands that completely and authentically fit with the what they're trying to build. Mm -hmm. And then some, it feels like a complete one-off. And I think that's the part where it's like, well, if I have this, then I'll be good. Whereas I think yeah. some of them are doing it intentionally. And I think that's mm. one of the reasons I was thinking of PCNA because clearly they're making a move for sustainability and all of right. them seem to fit in that. And that's why it's like, oh, when right. I go there, if I see a brand, I know it's going to fit this thing. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And And yeah. again, it goes back to what we talk a lot about on this podcast is what you're doing aligned yeah. with your brand, aligned with your mission and aligned with how you're uh, marketing to your clients. Good talk. Good talk. All right. You got another one more topic for us, Kirby? I or do. No, no. I'll, I'll give you one more quick one, but I want to, I want to tease. Kirby is the official time. Kirby is the official timekeeper of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea it. how long we've been going. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. We're Go ahead. Good. So I want to tease one next week. I want to talk about, uh Oh, I don't usually do this. Uh, I want to talk about Bud Light losing the number one selling beer in America. This is this will be next week, and one and some lessons that we can take away from that. So that's next oh. week. That's that's what they call tease, folks. Okay. Uh, but don't I wanted, don't this... tease me, Kirby. Don't behave. <laughs> that. Um, so this is a quick one. I just thought this was interesting. Yeah. Uh, the quote starts with, "Honestly, it's cheaper me, for me to stay at home in Charleston." Uh, community to work via jet streams screams CEO move, but apparently it's now something interns do to save cash. A marketing intern in uh, revealed on TikTok then wrap TikTok rather than paying New York City rent, she lives in Charleston with her parents, mm -hmm. where presumably the rent is free, and right. flies to Newark every Wednesday to make it to the office by 9 a.m. for one day week, one day per week that she's required to be there. So yeah. maybe not great for the carbon footprint. But I 
found this very interesting in a place like New York that's really expensive. Obviously, Nashville, the area that you're in, mm-hmm. is really the, the cost of living is crazy. Yeah, I guess the, that's why I say it's quick. Do you think yeah. it will be this will be a trend we're going to see more and more of where people live in the outskirts or just in totally different parts of the country and fly into those cities if they don't have to work there five days a week? Um, I think it's all dependent, but yeah, I think you'll see this as a trend. I think what you'll see is more of like, let's say Chicago, I'll use Chicago as an example. Let's say you have to be at work one day a week and it's a Wednesday. I can, and you could, you could live in the quad cities, which is two hours away. And the cost of living is probably a quarter of what it is right. in Chicago and the suburbs. You could drive in, spend the night in a hotel, uh, or not totally. even drive in. You could just drive in, or yeah. let's say you're five hours away. So it yeah. wouldn't be a same day thing. You drive in the night before Stay the night and drive home after work. Absolutely. I think it's a trend and it's bad for the carbon footprint, but it's, again, we are resistant to change as a species. We, we only like change when we're the ones controlling it and driving it. (laughs) And so the corporations don't love the fact how far the pendulum has swung to work from home. I can't say that I blame them. I I really understand that. Um, We've talked about on this podcast. I miss working in an office. I miss being around people. But I also like working from home. When I'm done, I can go right in the backyard and go do whatever I want to do. So it's it's a it's a double-edged sword. I think there's got to be some sort of workaround here. Yeah. You know, it, it, and the bottom line, if the employee's valuable enough, if they're doing a good enough job, who cares where they're working? Yeah. Now again, True. I don't know the specifics of this person. Maybe they don't well, this, do they this really is an I, intern. I mean, <laughs> Yeah. I think you got to ask, do they really need to be in the office? And maybe an intern does. Maybe that's really how they're going to learn. So sure. I would actually put, I actually think an intern might need to be in an office more right. than a regular worker who knows their job. Yeah. Well, so I, I so I think it's kind of two different discussions, right? You've got the, okay, work from home versus, you know, return to office conversation. Mm-hmm. But then there's this, the, the cost of living um, yep. differences. So like for me, I look at this in from Coshocton, Ohio, a small community. Like I literally right. bet I could work three days a week in Nashville and live in Coshocton and it would be cheaper because I, I could get direct flights and all that sort of thing. So I just think that's right. really a fascinating thing and it could be good for too. some of those smaller communities. Um, so I, I just thought this was fascinating because the average rent for a New York City studio, New York oh, City studio $3,485 while a round trip flight from Charleston to Newark comes in at 200 bucks. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you that 3,250 will get you in, in Manhattan. It'll get you something along the lines of about 600 square feet. And I'm not joking. Yeah. So crazy. yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's one of the, it's the law of unintended consequences, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. And, and it's not great for the environment as we, we spoke about. So awesome. Good, good stuff today. Yep. Uh, hey, before we go, let's once again, uh, let's give a shout out to Evans. We know how dedicated they are to reducing friction, to making things easier for distributors. Uh, that's what their whole company's built around. And the reason why they're built that way is because of the president and co-founder, Alan Vaught, who is retiring uh, two weeks from the day this uh, podcast drops on June the 30th. So um, we as an industry should be very thankful and appreciative for all he's done for the industry. He's been a beacon of light for the industry. Um, and certainly for the people at Evans and he's really set the tone there. So Alan, our hats are, are metaphorically off to you and we wish you the absolute best in your retirement. 
Um, and uh, we hope everybody continues to use Evans because they're a great company. And that's a really great way to show your gratitude and appreciation for all Alan Vought's done for our industry. So with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off on episode number 154 of the Promote Fund podcast. Uh, who knows if I'm singing next week or not? I have no idea. 